Okay. So we're actually starting a new, uh, a new um, series, a new sermon series today. Last time we, last few weeks we've been doing uh, emotions based on Inside Out, and we're now starting on James, the book of James. And the first part of James talks to us about when bad stuff happens. So let's read that first section of James. Um, Luke, do you want to read that? Do you feel like reading that? You don't have to. I'll try. Okay. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it as an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom as your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that you, your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. (laughs) Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honoured them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers, the little flower drops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God will never attempt to do wrong, and he never attempts anyone else. Okay, come on. You can manage it. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Temptation comes from our own desires, which implies Entice, entice us and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. One, he never changes our cast and shifting shadows. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we are 
and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for your endurance. (laughs) (laughs) He passed the test. (laughs) So um, we're going to be working our way through the book of James, which talks a lot about these topics that we've just uh, seen. But to understand what's written here, we need to know at least three things. Who wrote James? might seem like a silly question, but it's still important. Who were the recipients and why was it written? Because if we understand that, then we can understand a lot more about what James is talking about. So, who wrote James? Well, the letter claims to be from somebody called James, a person, a person that was so well known in the early church that he didn't even have to provide any surname or any qualifications to say who he was so given that that gives us a few options the best of these options i won't bother going through all of them because that's tedious the best of the options is james the brother of jesus and we meet him in acts as the leader of the jerusalem church james was of course a jew who after jesus resurrection joined the church and rapidly rose to leadership. Given our records of the early church, he rose through wisdom and ability, not through nepotism. Didn't matter that he was Jesus' brother. The next question is who was James writing to? Who was his audience? Verse 1 in the Greek here, uh, this isn't the Greek, but verse 1 in the Greek talks about the 12 tribes in the diaspora. But the New Living Translation helpfully unpacks the most likely interpretation for us. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. So that's actually the most likely meaning of the 12 tribes in the diaspora. Why was he writing to these Jewish believers who'd been scattered out from Jerusalem and and Palestine. James's letter is mostly advice on how to live as a Christian in the difficult circumstances of the time. So it seems that James was writing as a pastor, trying to help his flock grow as Christians. So that's who, to whom, and why. Now let's move on to the passage. A number of scholars believe that this section introduces all of the elements in the letter. All scholars, and anyone who's actually read James for themselves, agree that James jumps wildly about from topic to topic. All the same, I actually find this passage has a consistent theme. It's exploring how and why we should handle trials and suffering as Christians. This is a hard topic. So we get it wrong so easily. Just the other day, I heard the story of a girl who'd believed in God as a young kid, but when bad things happened to her, she abandoned her belief. And years later, when things seemed better and she started to believe again, Then more bad things happened to her and she rejected God again. 
this is actually very common. I don't know how many people have told me that they would believe in God, except they just can't understand why he allows suffering. The Jews, of course, were very aware of this problem, and so were the early Christians. And the Bible contains many of the most sophisticated treatments of this problem in all of human writing. So when James decides to tackle this problem, he has a lot to draw on. James's style is not like the Apostle Paul's, who wrote most of the letters we find in the New Testament. Paul starts with theology and then gives some practical advice, but James simply gives advice from the very get-go. His underlying theology is sort of hidden. That doesn't mean, however, that his theology is simplistic. So let's jump in if we can and see if we can follow James's answers to how we should handle ourselves when bad things happen. Now, last week, Graham talked about how we should be able to be joyful in any circumstance. And James takes that idea and he pushes it to the limit. When bad things happen to you, it's an opportunity for great joy, says James. Why? Why, James? Why? Why would you say something like that? Well, he answers that immediately. He explains that when trouble tests our faith, we have the chance to grow in endurance. The word for testing here is related to the process of purifying metal by melting it down and getting rid of all the impurities all the dross. As we learn to trust God through our troubles, we learn more and more about ourselves, others, and the world. And we learn how to care for more than just our own pleasure, how to trust God's concern for us. In James's words, we become complete. We learn true spiritual integrity. We become spiritually whole. I read in the Weekend Australian yesterday that people in their 70s and older are coping with the pandemic much better than people in their early 50s like me. I'm not saying that I'm not coping well. I'm saying that people in my age group are struggling. The main reason psychologists attempt to explain is simply that people in their 70s have more life experience and they know how to cope better with setbacks and upsets. Still learning. <laughs> still learning, but you've had more learning. <laughs> to use James's language, older people have learnt how to endure, how to persevere. Does that mean that we have to wait until we're in our 70s before we can handle suffering like mature Christians? Well, I hope not. (laughs) And worldly wisdom might be won, or it does have to be won, by years of experience. But God knows what we need when we're tested. And he stands ready to help us. Even when we're young. 
James explains, God's wisdom is only a prayer away. Isn't that a cute L? <laughs> it's sort of like young wisdom, it looks like that. <laughs> we have direct access to his understanding of how to navigate reality with all its struggles in a wholesome and productive way. However, James warns, don't expect God to answer you if you're just messing about. If one moment you want to live God's way and the next you want to try the world's way, well, that's, that's just not going to work. God's way of living isn't like fusion food where you can mix cuisines from different countries. God's way of living is more like life-saving medication which needs to be carefully administered and not mixed with other medications or alcohol. You probably wouldn't trust a sous chef as your anaesthetist and if you're going into a, an operation. And neither can a person who's torn between the world and God implement God's wisdom. They're too unstable, as James says. Single-minded commitment is the key. But if you have that and you ask for wisdom, God joyously gives it to you. So now we know the why and the how of taking joy in our troubles. Why? Because we learn endurance. How? With God's wisdom. But what sort of bad stuff might James be talking about? Does he give any examples? Well, yes, he does. I'm glad you asked. One of the big topics of James's letter is the struggle of poor Christians. In this passage, James encourages poor Christians to boast about their salvation. They've been accepted into the most important club there is, heaven. But he does something else that's very interesting. He tells rich Christians to boast in their humiliation. What is the humiliation of rich Christians? Well, the fact that they get into heaven because Jesus paid for them. A rich Christian, in other words, is no better than the poorest of poor Christians. And from the world's perspective, that is pretty humiliating. To make sure that we rich Christians don't forget that, James reminds us of how transient wealth is. We have a modern saying, you can't take it with you. It's strange to think of riches causing trouble, isn't it? But they do. I knew a family in Hong Kong who, who moved there from the USA. In the USA, the husband and dad had been very successful and his family lived in this huge house that he'd bought and they had beautiful cars and everything they ever wanted, except for him, because he was too busy working. His wife got to the point where she wanted a divorce because she never saw him and he was a completely absent dad. Fortunately, he humbled himself and so did the whole family and they responded to this trouble and it was genuine suffering the family almost dissolved. 
by selling everything they had and moving to Shamshoi Po, one of the poorest places in Hong Kong, where they lived to minister to their neighbours. This is an amazing example of a response to suffering resulting in lives of incredible integrity. And that's the key point. That's what James is getting at here. It's not suffering that makes the difference, neither the type nor nor even the amount. It's how we respond to our troubles that counts. You see, we have a choice. When something bad happens to us, we can play the victim or we can choose to trust God. James warns us against blaming God. God doesn't tempt us, he says. Rather, when we're tested by trouble, it's our own desires that lead us astray. We don't have to react selfishly to suffering. And when we do, we can't blame our circumstances. It's our choice. Now, the idea of personal responsibility is an increasingly radical concept in our modern society. The dominant narrative today is an academic idea called critical theory. This claims that individuals are not responsible for the state of their lives or even their actions. Rather, the power interactions between groups within society are responsible for our situation and how we behave. For example, I'm rich, healthy and emotionally balanced because I'm a white Australian male. Duh. (laughs) While someone else is in Struggle Street because they're a black American lesbian, for example. I'm not pointing to anyone in particular. The idea is supposed to recognise how history has shaped people's circumstance and actually liberate them from that history. Unfortunately, it's done the exact opposite. And people's motives and status are often defined wholly by the group that they belong to. And there's no consideration given to their actions, their own actions. This worldview insists that we're defined by our group identity. Our own choices and the actions they lead to are are a predestined response to that group identity. And as a result, people are increasingly confused about who they are as they attempt to escape the doom of their group identity. Angry protests may not achieve much, but what else can you do when you're trapped in a group with nothing that you do making a difference? How else do you help other people who are trapped in their group? In contrast, James and the rest of the Bible tells us that each individual human being gets to choose how they react to their circumstances, even bad circumstances, especially bad circumstances, because they're the ones that really define us. As a result, 
as Christians, we don't get to blame our parents, our country, and certainly not God. As Christians, we recognize that human beings are always free to choose how they respond to even the worst circumstances. And that allows us to treat others as having individual worth. It encourages us to offer even the most desperately messed up people, the most desperately marginalized people, a chance to choose the path to life. But don't get the wrong idea about our freedom. God isn't a Grinch who only gives us freedom in order to endure suffering. No, says James, whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God. God single-mindedly loves us and we can always trust him. In fact, we have life because he gave us his son, because Jesus died on the cross. That's such a precious gift that began our lives, our spiritual lives. And, and not only did God give us such a precious gift, but God considers us his most precious possession, his most precious gift. So is this making sense? Have you been following along? I know it's, it's complex and it's confrontational. James is not a modern Western uh, hipster or, or academic. James exhorts us to take joy in trouble because choosing to trust God, in choosing to trust God, we learn to persevere in faith. And God helps us in that when we ask with genuine intent. Whether we're poor or rich, we can take pride in our salvation and the way it brings us all together in one family. And we can trust God to always give us good gifts and to never tempt us. How do these truths apply to our lives today? Well, I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Choose one of these main questions. Think about it and its sub-questions. And then share a little with the person next to you if you feel comfortable. Otherwise, just think about it. We've got a time here. Um, So just do that. Spend a couple of minutes and then we'll wrap up. So the questions are, what troubles are we having now? How is this trouble teaching us to endure? And have we stopped to consider all the wonder, the wonderful gifts God has given us? Okay. So I hope that was, I hope that was fruitful and it wasn't too much suffering. So, you know, there's a, there's a trope amongst Christian testimonies. It goes something like this. I was running with the bad kids. I was struggling with addiction. I was a complete mess. 
But then I heard someone preach the gospel and I chose Jesus and he turned my life around just in time for my fifth birthday. Okay, maybe that last little bit isn't part of the trope. A trope, by the way, is a pattern that commonly occurs in stories, just in case you haven't heard that term before. I'm sure Luke knows. (laughs) But the reason there is such a trope is because we can choose Christ in even the most desperate circumstances and our choice makes all the difference. That's something to be joyful about. That's a reason to wake up every morning and to say, no matter what comes, I am going to choose you, Lord. And then we can walk into each day because I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.